0: Welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to
1: make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. Make That Paper, listeners, welcome back to a very special
0: first time ever part two episode with the incredible Tracy Toms.
1: Until you get the job, it's sales.
2: Yeah, yeah it, for sure. You're like a salesman. You walk into the room, like, okay, what do I have? What do you need? Yeah. To the point now, when I walk into auditions, I'm kind of like, hey, guys, because usually, because I've been in this business now for 20 years, I know most of the casting directors, and I kind of go in and go, hey, okay, what do we need for this? Mm-hmm. And together, we can figure out whether I'm even right for it.
1: Before you even do a take.
2: Yeah, but, but I, I'll do the take, but then I, if I figure out what do you need? What are we looking for? Okay, great, 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 great. And we do it. I'm like, was that it? Is there something? All right, let's try something else. I can leave an audition with a better understanding of whether or not I'm right for it. Cause I've been cast for something I wasn't right for. And it's terrible. Yeah. I don't want that ever. I don't want to be cast in something I'm not right for. Because every day is a struggle to try to twist my thing, twist myself, like contort myself, to try to be something that I'm not right for.
1: And then ultimately it ends up on film
2: forever. It ends up on film forever. I, I, I got a role um, in a TV show, I won't say what it is, and I felt very good about it. And every day there were rewrites that mm. kept changing the character from what I auditioned for. And it ultimately changed it into something that I would never have auditioned for. Right. Um, So I kept trying to hold on to what got me the role and try to implement these new things. It was terrible. It was terrible. I felt like I was in a vice.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, the whole time. And then I finished. They ended up re-recording it with another actress. Oh, God. So... Which I'm happy about. I was going to say, it, that's it's almost out like, there. thank God. It's not out there in the world, me doing this terrible performance. It was terrible. Yeah. I, I could feel I was terrible doing it. I was like, this is horrible. Because it went from like being this kind of like boho, chic, like kind of easygoing chick to this like super ratchet, whatever girl, which is fine, but that's not what I signed up for. Right. It's polar opposite. The complete opposite. And it was terrible. But luckily, that director, she now directs on Truth Be Told, the show that I'm doing now. And she's like, I'm so happy we're to erase that fucking awful experience that we had together because she was angry about it too. She's like, why are you changing it? It was great. But I think what was happening is the uh, showrunners and stuff were trying to turn me into a villain. Sorry, mm-hmm. the lead actress which trying to turn me into a villain. Mm-hmm. I think I was too likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the, like, the super, like, easy-going boho chick who understood things was too likable. So they were turning me into this villain that... I mean, I like playing villains. They're interesting. Like, yeah. you know, um, they're usually the most fun.
0: We identify more with villains as human beings. Yeah. We do
2: with non-villains often.
1: Now in this day and age when they're well-written and... Yeah. You know. When they're
2: well-written, for yeah. sure. Yes. But they were just turning her into the, this ratchet like a gold digging um stereotypical character. Right. Um and I that's not my contribution to the world. Yeah. I don't go into those characters but nope. Nope.
1: I would like to ask you what was the last Now I know I know during COVID there's some stuff but before, you know pre-COVID what was the last non-acting uh day job, side job that you did.
2: Which one the last one was the painting
1: job? It was the painting job. No, the
2: last one was the voice of Juilliard. That's still acting. So So actually
1: while you were so ever since you graduated from Juilliard, you never did, you never had to do any side hustles.
2: Yes. I've never had a side job.
1: That is fair. But
2: but I do I
0: think like every creative you still side hustle even though you have been earning that income through your art. You still have cameo, which I love. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Um, You coach. I coach. Yeah. You do meet and greets, and I think that this is like a huge deal for people to know that actors are business people first and foremost. Like, you know, yeah, we
2: are. Hustling. But I also really feel very, very um, compelled to give back wherever I can. So there was a there was a moment back in 2009. I think there was a writer strike.
1: Yeah.
2: that? And there was no work. Yeah. So I went back home to Baltimore. I hung out with my parents and my brother, and I always go back and like visit uh, my high school, Baltimore School of the Arts. And I was in a class. They were doing their um, they were doing their monologues for college auditions. So sitting there, me and Brisha Webb were also. Uh, yeah, Brisha Webb also went to Baltimore School of The Arts with me. My friend Brisha, and uh, so we both came back on that same day, happened to show up on the same day, and we're sitting in the classroom, and uh, and these kids are doing their monologues, and the two of us were like, ah, oh, wait, um, think about this, uh oh, wait, uh, we're looking at each other for a while. We're like, oh, you see, you see the thing? That, yeah, right, okay, listen. you know. So, so we got like really into like these, you know, these these auditions and then the head of the program, one of my mentors, Donald Pickin, came to me afterwards. He was like, so you're home for a while because there's no work in LA, so we're giving you a class. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? He was like, so mm-hmm. you're going to teach on these days. This is your room and uh, that's that. So I was like, I don't know. I I no. I'm not a. T- I am not I can I'm, I'm, I'm not. He's like. So we'll see you on Thursday at like eleven for your first class. Oh my god. I was terrified. I was terrified. I was shaking. What a great way to get hired. I yeah. I was shaking. I was shaking like this. I was like, okay. So, uh, uh, who wants to go first? You know, who wants to go first? And they were like eh, Whatever. Jumping up and doing monologues for me. And then I realized quickly that I'm like, oh wait, I do know things. Because yeah. as actors, we all have imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. Because what we're doing, what we do for a living, is impossible. We're per- we're pretending to be people we're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And more than that, we're not like con artists. We're pretending oh. to be people that the audience also knows we're not. Right. Like everyone's in on it. Yeah. <laughs> we're pretending to be people that. The audience that we know we're not and the audience knows we're not and the audience knows we know we're not and they're paying money to watch us pretend to be people that I know and they know I'm not. That's an amazing way to break it down.
1: Yeah. Of course, That's you're thinking right? about all the people where like that somehow goes awry. I'm, I'm specifically of Tom, thinking of Tom Cruise. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah, there are actors that do do that and then there are actors that are just themselves and show up and people yeah. pay to go watch them jump pay, building
2: but yeah but they pay to watch them uh, play somebody in a situation that they know is an imagined circumstance yes yes that's been made up and written the lines yeah. are not theirs the right. outfits are somebody put an outfit on them somebody did their makeup the explosions aren't real like everybody we all know it which is which is why what we do is so magical to me mm-hmm. because everyone's in on it yeah no the one's pulling the wall of disbelief. Yeah. And everyone's, everyone's, I will will pay $165 to go into the theater and sit there and watch you pretend to be somebody you're not Mm -hmm. and tell me a story. And I'm agreeing to believe you until you fuck up. Right. (laughs) So, so my end of the contract is I have to like, try to find the truth of this imagined circumstance as much as I can and tell the truth. Because if I lie, they're gonna know it. I'm gonna know it and they're gonna know it. Right. So it's this magical moment that everyone is in on. You know, it's like going to the magic castle and seeing somebody do a magic trick. Right. Yeah. Look, you know it's a trick. You know there's some sleight of hand or mirrors or smoke or something that they're doing. But if they tell the truth and they make you believe it, you feel like a five year old and you scream and you go, oh my god. You know, it's amazing, and I love magic. I love magic tricks. I'm never that person who's like, "Do it again." How did you do that? I'm like, I don't <laughs> right, know how you did yeah. it. I don't want you to do it again. I want right. this feeling. I want this feeling of magic in my life yeah. all the time. Even though I know something was in your, sl- I know something happened. I know that you you're quick with your fingers or whatever, but I don't want to know how you did it. I know people I have friends who are like, "Yeah, you know, I'm an actor at hazard. You never know what's gonna happen." Blah, 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 blah. I'm on the edge or whatever. It's like no (laughs) this is why we have rehearsal Mm -hmm. if that were true you'd walk off the end of the stage yeah how do you find your light every day if you're so in it right yeah you know you rehearse Mm -hmm. you know where to stand you know what to do on your lines or whatever and you find the improvisation and the magic within those parameters but don't tell me that like you forgot your you you were so in it that you forgot you're on stage. Well, how did you do that? Right. You'd have walked off the stage. Why would you go, where? why didn't you say, what are all these people doing here? <laughs> this makes me feel seen
0: as an analytical actor also. Like yeah. this makes me feel so seen because, you know, have you been in those acting rooms where people are like this? Like, and you're, I them
2: and you're like, yeah. and oh they got, I would was- feel so, Inferior. I've always yeah they make you feel inferior. Exactly, really? they make you feel like you're not as good as they are. Yeah. Right. Well, the thing because is, you don't believe as much as they do.
1: I have always felt like I was pretending to be an actor because I feel like a technician. Yes. But the irony of that is, I'm that means I'm pretending to be someone who pretends.
0: hmm Which is why I love. Mm-hmm writing and being a writer because I just feel like nobody can tell me what I'm writing is is like not prepared enough or like it's not I mean like there's just something about being able to write those lines for the actors and know watching the actors perform go that guy's not good like he's he doesn't know where his light is or he doesn't believe right. He didn't rehearse enough. Mm-hmm. He does
2: not know who this character yeah, is. Yeah, if you
1: if you have a bad day, you just don't print that day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you can go back and like do a revision later. Mm-hmm. You know, but but yeah, but I but I found through working with these kids, but also I found working with these kids that time that when things were true, my hair stood up on my arm which is yeah. something I never understood before. Like as a young person, I was always like, I don't understand this whole chills. I got chills. Oh god, yeah, I got goosebumps. I'm like, did you, did you really? Did you really though? And then it would happen in that room. I was like, oh my God, that's a real thing. So that's when awesome. it was true, when, when a moment of truth happened, everybody felt it. like, did you feel that? That was that. Yeah. That thing. And it's electric and it's something that's about human connection that you can't teach it really. You can't teach how to do that. You can just teach people kind of how to allow space for moments like that to happen. They're not going to happen all the time. Yeah. You know, and they shouldn't. That would be weird. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know? But let's talk about coaching and teaching for a second, because I think that I've brought this up before with people. Um, what I think happens at some point, like you'd already had rent under your belt. You'd had success for 10 years. You, you had um, aged, grown into a maturity. And I think that, um, I don't think you can teach art when you're young. Like there are some people that go, you know, teach theater right after MFA when they did their MFA young. And I don't know if that's always wise, not because you don't have the skills, but you don't have the patience for it. There's still a yearning for your own art to be created and out into the world. And so, but I think as artists, we all come back at some point, regardless of where we are financially successful or not. You know, we've been working in this industry for so long that we want to share and give back. Um, And I think that that is
2: like a common thread I'm noticing for everyone we've talked to. That's interesting. And a lot of people don't have the space to do it because we don't have a pandemic to make you yes. sit your ass down in the house mm. and figure out how you can get back, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was already coaching before the pandemic, you know, people come and I would coach them and I, uh, and people were like, oh my God, you teach acting. Like, I don't teach acting. I coach actors, which is different. It is different. Teaching like, okay, let's talk about the magic if." Let's talk about <laughs> your objectives and your tactics and your obstacles, which is fine. But right now that's not my call. Yeah. My calling is let's get the, you this audition down well, or let's work on a scene you've always wanted to work on because I'm still also doing like, um, I do readings and stuff all the time. I do readings for a couple of organizations. Um, theater of war is one of them. um, And basically they talk, uh, Theater of War takes ancient texts, like Greek texts, um, like we do Antigone. uh, There may be some Shakespeare, but usually it's Greek. Wow, that's cool. They've done done like Lear and stuff like that. And they do like shortened versions of these plays then open the discussion up to the audience to talk about how they resonate still in our political frame and racial frame or whatever. And it's really interesting. It came out, it came after Ferguson. Wow. After Mike Brown and Ferguson. Um, so we do like Antigone, readings of Antig- Antigone. And the idea of Antigone, of course, is that, you know, Antigone's two brothers um, killed themselves in a war. One of them left and one of them stayed and they fought each other and died. So the one who was still uh, at the- in Thebes gets a burial. The other one who fought him gets left out in the desert and, you know, and, and Tink like, that's not right. <laughs> Both of our brothers should be buried, and our younger sister is like, no, they'll kill us too. Our father's already died. Our mother's already died. We're the, all that's left, you know. And, and the, and if if we do this, if we bury our brother, they'll kill us. And she's like, okay. And Tink's like, okay. So it's all about like, what are your morals, and who do you, who is your god, and who do you answer to, and and um and and it's it's a direct call back to Mike Brown being in the street for hours and hours and hours. Everyone looked on, and nobody could touch him. Nobody could mm-hmm. go to him, you know. And there's that that heartbreaking moment where like his uncle got under the um, the the police tape
1: yeah. and
2: tried to cover him. He was like this is my this is my nephew. You can't leave him out here like this. And they're like dragged him away. And it was and that was the start of the hands up, don't shoot moment. Um, and it's so relevant. All these plays are so relevant right now. And it starts these really beautiful conversations about um, police brutality and authority and government and politics and race. So if we do those. I also do um, play readings with another organization started by Adam Driver called Arts in the Armed Forces, where we go and do like epic monologues and plays for members in the armed forces. We went to Germany, went to all the, the base is there. We travel all over the country. Um, wow. his driver was a Marine before he went to Juilliard. And it's about like really connecting people who are, are trained killers <laughs> back to their humanity. You know, and we go into these bases, we're like, oh my God, you look. Like, you know and I'm, I'm there people may have been like oh my god i saw Ren," or i watched cold case but like the big big stars come in like i was there with a raven simone who was there like oh my god you're raven simone you know she does monologues for soldiers in germany you know and it's so important to always connect to our humanity and reach out and remember that we are human beings with love and compassion
1: I really didn't know that there was like, I mean, I know like USA, USO shows, you know, I know Bob Hope. Yeah, that's I entertainment. That's, that's different. entertainment. Like, I don't,
2: that's like doing songs. Yeah.
1: I didn't, I didn't know that there was that kind of uh, intentional artistic exposure mm-hmm. to for the troops.
2: Yeah. And that's Adam Driver. That's wow. awesome. Who knew? Um, he it, mind you. Adam Driver was doing this when he was still at Juilliard. This was before he was Calloway, this was before he was on Girls, before he was a big, big star. Yeah. The first time I went and did it, he was still like a like a fourth year at Juilliard. Wow. And he got me and Laura Linney, and like some other actors to go down to uh, Camp Pendleton here, mm-hmm. and legit monologues and a couple of songs for the troops, and they were like, "We've never experienced anything like this." That you guys would come down here and do this for us. That's, you know, it was so fulfilling to do something like that and to talk to them and sit there and take pictures with them and sign stuff if they need to. But it's just, they become like children, like these trained soldiers. He's, you know, like I am trained to like protect, serve, kill if I have to don't want to but need you know and, and they're like oh my god and the one thing I saw you and I love it oh my god can my mom my my wife loves you my mom watches cold case can you take a picture and it's like that moment of giving them that that kind of fulfillment in that moment means a lot to me.
1: That's awesome. It's very it's very um heartening to to know that, that happens that 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 you did that that Adam Driver is helming that. But also to know that the the military is open to that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, and it's interesting. But I actually traveled. I do the shows with Adam, who was a Marine. The way he talks about how he's so proud to be a Marine, but that how art really saved his life after that is so it's such a beautiful thing to behold. Um, you know, he's just he's wonderful. He's just He's just a wonderful guy.
1: Hmm.
2: That's great.
0: I think everybody believes he's a wonderful guy or they just think yeah. he's really gorgeous.
2: He's really mm. gorgeous in a way. That's like poetic, a person you've never seen before. Like yeah. Adam driver looks like no one you've ever seen. Yep. And his wife runs the, um, runs the program when he's off shooting, you know, star Wars and things like that. Yes. Awesome. So she runs the program, you know,
0: I love that. That's amazing. And, um, yeah. This is, you know, this is impactful and we're learning stuff. And I want to say something that's, you know, not learning something for a minute. Um, I was a big, huge Tracy fan and I followed her on Twitter and I follow her on Instagram. But on Twitter, I found out that she was going to be on the show Catfish because she has a lot of fans like me, but some are crazy. (laughs) This time, I found out Jason B. Toms, I got freaked out. I was like, you know, Tracy Toms. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk. Tracy Toms is such a nice human being. She had a fan catfish her and she actually like helped this person <laughs> on the show catfish.
2: Like, I couldn't believe it. This is a segue that you don't even you don't even know what you've done. <laughs>
1: Oh no! I'm. I got. I've got an old
2: fashioned here that needs to be uh, lightened. You don't even know what you've done, because the real reason this is this is scoop. This is tea. The real reason I was on Catfish was because when I went to Germany with Adam Driver's company, Arts in the Armed Forces, his videographers were the producers of Catfish. Stop it. Right. You didn't know what you did. You didn't know what you did. Is it coincidence now? or Is this? Coincidence. Okay. Holy crap. No one knows this. So I know that you didn't do this on purpose. I did not. So we're on the van in Germany going from base to base. I'm like, so what do you guys do? It's like, oh, yeah, well, we do catfish. And I was like, Mm. is that real? I don't think it's real. He's like, oh, yeah, well, ask my brother if it's real. And I was like, well, I had a situation recently and I told them what happened on the on the little van and they looked at each other like, would you be willing to be on our show? Oh, and I was God. like, I mean, sure. I had never seen Catfish. I just heard about it. Did you see the uh, documentary? I hadn't seen it. <laughs> but he got so, you know, his name is Rail, And he got so... um." So, so Nevin Max, right? And his yeah. brother is Rel. And he's like, he shot, he it was it was Rel's movie. Yeah. Um he's
1: like, that's not real.
2: And I was like, I, I was like, that's not real, whatever. He's like, yeah, ask my brother if it's real. Ask him how his heart was broken by the chick, blah, blah, blah. He, I was like, oh, he got really defensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, I had this thing happen and whatever. And and uh, I, I got and I hadn't even heard of Catfish before it happened to me. Because one of the other girls that was catfish with me, she was like, have we been catfish? I was like, yeah. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know what you mean, but it sounds right. I got hoodwinked. Um, Is that like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that? It, 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 I use like I use like context clues to figure out what she meant. And I told them the story and they were like, would you want to... I was like, okay, well, you have to write a letter. Just write, Do do, do the process. But like, I think this will be, we've never done anything like this. So I'd go through, write the write the email and did all that stuff. And even Max had no idea, you know, it was all new to them. I had to go through the whole process. Like I was just right. the person doing it. To make but they it They just real. made
1: sure your email got read.
0: Cause as the, yeah, cause as the show goes and it's been a long time, I mean, I watched it because of you, but then I got addicted to that season. But, <clears throat> but yeah, they, they, they reveal the email. Like it's not rehearsed yeah. or anything. They reveal
2: it. No, oh. no, it's not rehearsed. It that show was real. That show was very, very real to the point where Neve didn't know I had met his brother. Oh my gosh. Mm. Until weeks into it. And he was like, wait, what? You know, don't get no idea. The show you was- You him. Write, and I had to, yeah. And I had to write, I had to go through the process if I wanted to, like, so just, just write a letter and I, I'm pretty, you know, whatever. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's like, nudge, nudge, nudge for me to do the show. But the, the show was real. <laughs> the show yeah. was real. But I had met his brother before that. And I would never have been on Catfish if I didn't do art to the armed forces. That's so crazy. crazy. That but was a good segue then. I had no idea. You had no I idea. I had no idea. How perfect that segue was. <laughs> oh, my God. She even worked
1: in the news. She's but got, I didn't know. You had no Stanford. idea. How would you
2: know that? How would you know? I wouldn't. I've never, ta- I've never talked about this publicly ever.
1: There's no this way you're blowing
2: not. my mind right now. <laughs> you you all have me. to go watch
0: this episode. I just thought that you were so hospitable and
2: so like well, yeah, it was weird because- to this person. It was so confusing to me that uh, these things would happen because like I've been fans of people. Yeah. You know, I've been I've been really really a big fans of people, but like what's happened with social media is that uh, celebrities or public figures, or you can reach out and touch them. Yeah, in a way they never could before. You know, when we were coming up, it was like I'm gonna write a fan letter and write in the mail and hope for the best. And you and see that those was it.
1: videos of like buckets of letters being dumped out on a table.
2: Right. Yeah. I
1: hope yours is uh, in there.
2: Now they just tweet you. Yeah. You know, they just DM you. Oh, I
0: I do that for people to come on the show. I'm like, hey, big yeah. fan, have
2: a podcast. <laughs> yeah but you can never reach people the most you can do is stand at the stage door or whatever or stand outside or something and hope they walk by with a poster board i'm your biggest fan (laughs) yeah i hope you get noticed in the audience whatever but with social media you can reach your the person you're a fan of but with that becomes You can manipulate them if you want to. Who has the biggest sob story, who can get in there or whatever. Mm -hmm. And those of us who are like me, who really interact with fans on a personal level, um, can easily be manipulated. And I've talked to uh, so many people who are public figures. Like, oh, yeah, I had one chick tell me that she had cancer. Her mother brought me... her, Her mother made me meet this kid who had cancer before she died. And then three years later, that kid was in the front row of my show. Oh, my gosh. You know... It's all attention. It's like people are addicted to attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's a tale of all as time, right? Everybody's yeah. addicted to attention. But um the way that people have access to like you know, and it was weird because I would see uh, tweets back, and it doesn't happen so much anymore because like 911 is not like a hot, it's a hot show, but it's not hot because of me. Um but when like rent was more prevalent or other projects we're like please, Tracy, oh my god, please notice me, please notice me. It was all the like, please notice me back in the MySpace times because MySpace was right after random death purpose, something like that. People were like notice me, oh my god, please notice me, notice me, notice me. Oh my gosh. And then you're like, Do I reward this person, this desperate person, or do I not? And it's it's a thing that nobody talks about because like people have no sympathy for celebrities. They don't, like, you know,
0: or writers or anybody who. is perceived rich and famous because they've done such hard work in their craft so all of a sudden you're perceived in a way that isn't true yeah um yeah and they have no tolerance they'll They they cancel you they will cancel you
2: yeah so nobody cares you know so it ended up being once we all got on the same page and you know me and me and max were in pennsylvania you know with, you know, trying to talk to this girl and we had like a lunch and they were like, I just think this is so important because like, Neve and Max are not actors. They never wanted to be famous. You know, Neve didn't want to be famous at all. His brother put him in the thing, you know, but now he has all these fans
1: Mm -hmm.
2: that like follow him around and are constantly whatever. He's like, there has to be a way that we could talk about this. There has to be a way that we can say that like celebrities are people you know even you really,
1: he found your story almost more personal to him than all the yeah.
2: the yeah, catfish stories
1: that he's kind of yeah. removed from at that point
2: right cuz up, up until then it, they had all been romantic yeah there's so many celebrities who have been exploited they've given yeah. millions of dollars to charities that don't exist yeah. they, uh, you know because oh she, she's rich she can afford it she's rich she doesn't care she you know she deserves to get yeah. to get on she deserves it yeah because she has so much money why did she get to have so much money and i don't well she worked for it mm-hmm. and she doesn't necessarily have that much she's just invested well from each gig and yeah. she never knows when her next gig will be because yeah. that is the industry sorry. yeah i was actually thinking rant. about sorry i was actually thinking about when i said that about like apparently they, i heard that like j-lo the j-lo giving millions of dollars to like a charity that didn't exist Um, and they feel entitled to do it because she's (laughs) JLo, you know or other and it happens all the time
1: yeah which Um, by the way she was probably if 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 she hadn't been scammed would have given millions of dollars to a
2: charity that needed it right probably exactly they really feel like and they really feel like they're entitled to do that Uh, this is my brother my brother's walking through the room singing I'm on a podcast. Oh, what up, y'all? <laughs> what up? <laughs> I'm Austin. Good to meet you. What's up, Austin?
1: How's I'm it This
2: is Jamie. Nice to meet Hi, you. Jamie. I just want your t-shirt. Oh, okay. yeah. Austin is cool. Austin, my my little brother, who we're 13 years apart. Whoa. And, um, and there's no other siblings. Same parents. Just us. Surprise! But, yeah, no, he's here, and he's a rapper and a DJ, and he's super awesome and one of my best friends and, uh, and- Austin where can we hear
1: you oh.
2: um, <laughs> the best the best way is, is to find me on Instagram at amen the dj and there's the link to like my rap music my dj mixes um yeah that's probably the best i'm going
1: to sound really square but did you say amen or amen
2: the dj yeah, like a, Spid- like Spider Man, but A-man. A Man. <laughs> a underscore man, the DJ. A yeah.
1: underscore man, the DJ. Yeah.
2: Yeah. and I I'm I do the hook of one of his songs. Yeah, even yeah. without Ooh. the underscore, should pop up. Uh, All right, that's awesome. Yeah. We collaborate when we can, and it's such it's such a, a a gift to me to be able to connect with my brother as adults. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. he's always a little kid in my in my life you know and like family is always really important to us and i think that's what has really carried me through this business is that at the end of the day you know our dad will be like what are you doing mm-hmm. hit me on facetime you know and it's and it's great because like you know because we grew up in baltimore and baltimore's a great town but like if you stayed in baltimore if either of us stayed in baltimore we'd just be doing like um Multimore teaching, Multimore. I might mm-hmm. be teaching, you know. I mean, <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: I mean, teaching, coaching gives me joy. I don't know if teaching would give me joy. I'm the, the way. same way. I like to coach, I like you to
0: already know what you're doing, and then yeah. we're taking that <laughs> to the next level.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's, not to be like, and, you know, this is upstage, this is stage, this is stage where I do... I don't think that's my gift. Well, I think I you're, you're talking point.
1: about teaching, like, grade school or high school.
2: Yeah. Maybe teaching college. Maybe, but it, a grade. lot of people don't come to acting until college. Right. I know a lot of people, like, I just... I got in the college play. Right. Yeah. You know, but but I think college level would be where, to, where I want to start. You know, I believe that my teachers... No, I've always had great teachers. I can't even say that. Um, But I went to a performing arts high school so that's different. Yeah. Um, And I'm still friends with all my teachers. That's awesome. The ones that are still alive. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I I reached out to my fifth
0: grade, fourth grade teacher. I was, he was teaching a fifth grade class. He was the first male teacher in our elementary school. uh, Anyways, I was a fourth grader, but I was put in a fifth grade class. And, mm -hmm. um... He started a school newspaper and had me write all the stories for it. Like he started my like he knew I was a writer, but I didn't know wow. I was a writer, but I'd been writing in like in fourth grade. Yeah, and I had run wow. like this. I had run I'd written a play and it won an award and I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing stuff. but a teacher submitted it because I guess she liked it. Anyway, so he started the school newspaper and he, anyways, he got me into writing. So when I decided I was going to go for my MFA in writing, I looked him up. Because I was like, it's always stuck with me. He's the one that told me I was a writer, and like, right, right. He set me on that path. Anyways, I'm friends with him now, and it was That's so fantastic. nice. He remembered me, and he was like, "Of course yeah. I remember you." And of course, you don't. and it was just it was like this thing. It's like this thing when somebody touches you in a way that like yeah. inspires
2: you to live your life. You a certain like it way. It may not be reciprocal, but it was. Yeah, you, that- you touched them as well, Jamie. It's crazy.
0: I'm so glad we're friends now and he's probably like retiring, but anyways, yeah, I get it. I get it. Like, you know, you don't get, you're lucky that you have, you liked all your teachers and, and, you know, you went to performing arts high school, but I didn't like all my teachers. Oh, okay. Something from all of them better yeah because some teachers don't get you and they don't inspire you that way they in
1: fact it's like the opposite no,
2: but then you learn but there's always something to learn from them. there's always and those teachers
1: are there for somebody and even if
2: it's is. learning about yeah yourself. for sure i had a teacher that made us do all these exercises where we had to act a color
1: huh?
2: acting a color act person work for me yeah
1: it means right. something for somebody
2: but for some people that really works. Mm-hmm. So I always say that, you know, going to training programs, it's like you get all these tools. Yeah. But you get all these tools. And then at the end of it, you're like, okay, I have all these tools. This doesn't work. I never use this one. Mm-hmm. This doesn't work. I never use this one. And you throw those tools out. You keep the ones that work for you. Some you some you use a lot. Some you use every now and then. But um the thing that, to remember about training is like training is there for when instinct fails you. You always want to trust your instincts. Yes. And when your instinct fails you is when you say, Oh, I'm stuck. What tools do I have? Then you go to the toolbox and figure out what it is. But generally speaking, you're gonna go from your instinct.
0: You know, why is she so
2: smart?
1: She says she does
2: not you <laughs> nothing but teaching this
0: entire podcast.
1: Honestly, feel this is the carpentry background. I'm hearing tools. <laughs> I'm
0: hearing tools, <laughs> colors, the painting, the she's painting. talking colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: This is some miyagi dosh. Oh my God. You didn't know what you were learning, but your entire, like everything you learned at Juilliard, you learned in the summers while you were fixing the building.
2: Well oh, fixing the building. <laughs> this is where true humanity lives. You were the salt of the earth. Okay, <laughs> I learned how to build some, some puttying, you know. Puttying, painting, <laughs> constructing. Using built- whatever materials were
1: available to you.
2: Yeah. I built actors... a bookcase. I built I built a bookcase with the, the other it's people bookcase. who were carpentering with me. And that bookcase went into my apartment in New York. And my roommate who lived with me then, we all, you know, we all parted ways. Now he has his own house in New York. He still has that bookcase. Yes. It has stood the test of time. It's been it's like 25 years. That thing is still standing and holding things up. That the
1: building crazy. will fall yeah. down, and the bookcase will stand. The
2: bookcase will stand and be there. <laughs> He's
0: gonna sell it for a lot of money. Tracy Times built this I bookcase. Built this. I, should, I should sign
2: in it. Carve my in. name. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. W- Somewhere w- described.
2: Who? Tracy Times. Who? But I will say that because I'm so lucky, I haven't had a lot of survival jobs. Like my first job. Was at Jerry's Sub Shop in Owen Mills Mall in Baltimore. And I learned how to like, but I was the host, of, I was the, the cashier girl. Yes. But I learned how to make a mean, a mean, you know, cheesesteak sub. And I was recently mm. challenged. So like, you don't have to make a cheesesteak sub. Yes, I, I do. And I made it, blew everybody away. Then I worked at Le Chateau at the mall selling clothes. Yes. And then I worked at Kids Space, but that Kids Space, we threw theme parties for kids, which is awesome. And now I throw theme parties for adults at my house. So, I mean, so theme parties are things, but podcast. that will be my side job if all of a sudden all the acting dried up. If there was another strike, God forbid. I'm like, okay, who, and I've thrown parties for people. I threw Austin had a, for his 30th, we threw Austin a carnival party.
1: Yeah, it was good. Ooh, I so like, like that.
2: Games, games, and like everybody came as like a, a like a, like a circus performer i'm just gonna tell you
1: most in one of the most embarrassing moments in my life was my bar mitzvah and my parents got up on stage or not stage but they're like with the, the cake cutting thing and they're like uh jason you were we were in when you your mother was pregnant we were in rio and she was very pregnant and we got on the plane and she went into labor on the plane on the way home to New York. But we always joked that you were almost born in Rio and we were going to name you Johnny Brasileiro. So Jason hears, you know, and and then the doors open and these, you know, like these carnival dancers come in. The, the women with the headdresses and the skimpiness and, oh, and, wow. and... In the middle of New York
0: City. In oh, the New York at, at the
1: Regency Hotel in the ballroom. Wow. Across <laughs> the way from where Feinstein... Across the hallway from Feinstein's Grill. <laughs> Yeah, that's
2: great for an adult.
1: Sounds fun. Yeah, my parents thought it was hilarious. I Actually, love it. My dad thought it was hilarious. I was going to say, your mom thought think, that was hilarious. I think my mom was shocked as shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm 13
1: going, dude, there's like six girls here.
2: And they're naked.
0: <laughs> how, how would your friends think?
2: Did they like it? Or
1: oh, it was weird. Oh, the guy friends thought it was hilarious. The girl, I remember being cornered by like all six girls who came to the party. Afterwards, going like Jason, did you like that? Did, is that funny for you?
2: Like, <laughs> they, they cornered you. You know, felt, I felt cornered. It
1: was a, I, it was a I, big I, night I, in a young Jewish boy's heart.
2: But I didn't understand. Like literally, I my school, my little black elementary school and middle school closed down right when I was about to go to high school. So not the high school to middle school, right? So my school closed down. So we all got bused to the nearest school. And hmm. many people don't know this, but Baltimore has a huge Jewish community. Yeah. So the next yeah. the next school over was Jewish as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So all these black kids were getting bussed to this these Jewish schools and we're like, wait, I'm sorry, what? You go to school after school. That's a like crazy
1: what? culture shock.
2: You go to school after school. They're like, yeah, we got a Hebrew Hebrew school. school. For what? And they're like, to learn Hebrew. For what? For our bar mitzvah. What's that? We had no idea what any of these things were. So it was crazy because at Jewish holidays, suddenly it was only the black kids at school. Uh (laughs) You know what I mean? The three of us or four of us who were in each class. And then the bar mitzvah year happened in middle school. And it came about who gets invited to whose bar mitzvah um or bot mitzvah or whatever. And what was happening was, and this is this is, I understand this completely. Um, because this was all a culture shock for everybody. Yeah. What was happening is us black students, as black kids, we were getting invited to the bar slash bot mitzvah parties, but not the ceremony. Mm. Which do that. Right, which was just a <laughs> party. So we were there for like the parties. But at the ceremony, and one of my friends, Jamie Zarevitz, she invited me to the ceremony. And I was still kind of honored and confused. Uh-huh. But, you know, so I got there, I was, wait, I, have to sit, and I was by myself, you know? So I was sitting on the girl, and I was, oh, there's a girl side, the guy side, okay, whatever. I this was, being. like, orthodox. Yeah, so I was on the side with all the women. Oh, God. I feel like there were other girls in my class with me, because I wasn't I alone with like this. With him Yeah, so all the women were on one side, all the dudes were on the side. I'm like, what's happening now? I was so confused, but like, I will never forget it because I also felt like honored that she invited me because none of the other kids had invited me to their actual ceremony. Yeah, they did only about you know. And I, we're friends on Facebook uh, way later, and I wrote her a letter, a message once, and I was like, you know what? You're the only friend I had who invited me to your ceremony, and that meant a lot to me. I didn't know what the fuck was happening. <laughs>
1: It's very, there was, of, there was a lot
2: of like throaty things happening in your uh-huh. in your voice. Like uh, 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 a lot of a that sound. I yeah, a lot of that sound happened. But I never, we don't have that sound in our culture, <laughs> you know. But there was a lot of like sounding like you're phlegmy. But I was We've so. We've got the patent on <laughs> Yeah, uh, 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 a lot of that. But I was so, I remember the room. I remember everything about it. I remember I felt like I was just in on something that most people look like me are not in on and yeah. i was so grateful you know so i'll just say hey kids jewish kids invite your black friends to the bar mitzvah yeah because well, just, just, uh, we all grow when we learn things that we would never know otherwise yeah right can we just say thank you thank you for making thank the time you. again for us i love this this
0: was so much fun it was so much
1: miss. fun. We love you. Thank love you, you thank so you. much. She sold on Monday. Join us next week when we talk to TV writer and actor Carl Tart. We fought on Wednesday, made up on Friday, but now I'm losing. You call me lazy, you think I'm crazy. So
2: why?
1: Same as hell.